This is the recording made in the chapter of the open book and is number three of the series entitled The Finished Work. In our earlier meeting, we were looking at the way in which the book of Genesis opens <coughs> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we drew attention that it was not merely a reference to time, as though it must be. Because the word beginning comes in Genesis 49 of a firstborn, Reuben, the beginning of my strength, although he was a failure. And then we turn to the book of the Revelation and we discover that Christ said he was, himself was the beginning and the ending. And in Revelation 3.14, he is actually called the beginning of the creation of God. We found also that the word beginning is the word translated first fruits, a pledge of a harvest yet to come. And I hope that these thoughts just gave us a feeling, you know, there's more in this old book than meets the eye. And that's worth spending your dinner time, friends, if only that could become, as it were, ingrained in your very heart and mind. There's more in this book that, first of all, meets the eye. Well, now I'm asking those of you who are listening at a distance, if you will provide yourself next time with a sheet of paper and put it uh, horizontally across, not up long ways, and write in the left-hand top corner the word finished, and the right-hand top corner, the word finished, and in the centre, the word finished. Well, you say, well, this is a backhanded way of starting. Oh, we are dealing not with the works of men, friends, but with the works of God. The Bible warns us with regard to our own selves. In a proverb that says, let not him boast that puts his armour on, as he that puts his armour off. And we know full well that that is true. Or James rebukes those who say, this day and that day we will go into this town and the other and we will make merchandise and get great gain. And he says, what is your life? It's but a vapour. You have no power over any day. You must say, if the Lord will. But we are dealing with God. And the God of the Bible declares that he sees the end from the beginning. He doesn't explain how he sees the end. If he did, we shouldn't understand. He tells us so. He challenges us. Is there anyone that can tell you what shall come hereafter? And you know full well there are many who stand up as, as prophets and tell you this, that and the other. And possibly you buy their book for a few pence. And by the time the end of the year comes, you've forgotten all about it and you buy another one the next year. But it's not so with God. Over and over again we are met in the New Testament with these words, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. And that will be true right to the end. Well now, what about this putting the word finished at the beginning? We can understand putting the word finished at the end. So should we let God speak to us? And if I cannot explain how it is, well I'm in the same category as you are, I don't know. But we've got a book which we open here, and that book will tell us some things that may be blessed by the Spirit to our, uh, our building. Hebrews the fourth chapter. While you're finding it, I'll read the first few verses, but the word I'm, the verse I'm getting down to is verse 3. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. 
Now there is a rest that's yet to be, if you look a bit further down, verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, so it's future. But those who believe are entering into it now, in anticipation. Well, if we, in all the turmoil of this life, can enter into the rest that's coming by faith, how much more God, who knows the whole thing, and got it completely under his control, he can speak of things which are not as though they were. It says he does. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. You see what I've done? I've just believed what God said. That before, or from, the foundation of the world, the works were finished. And yet they're not finished yet. But don't you see, we are dealing first of all with purpose. Now, an ordinary person may plan and purpose with all the good intent, but fail to accomplish. But that's not written in the Scriptures. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he not spoken, and shall it not come to pass? When you think of creation, he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So, first of all, we've got to remember, there is a purpose, and God will fulfill his purpose. It may go by devious ways, so far as we are concerned. We wonder why it takes certain turns, but that needs the wisdom of God to explain it, and we shall find that out in God's good time. So here we've got, first of all, right at the very beginning of things, the statement that the works of God were finished from the foundation of the world. And they're still going on to the future when they will be finished when the new heavens and the new earth arrive. Shall we now turn to the second one of these statements where we read about the word finished? And for this I go to two or three references in the Gospel according to John. The Gospel according to John. You remember in the fourth chapter our Saviour had conversation with a woman of Samaria. And he was very fatigued. He was the son of man. And he sat weary on a well and asked a woman for a drink. And then they got into conversation. And he never had his water to drink. And she went away and left him there because she was going to tell uh, the fellows, her fellows in the village. The disciples came back. And they said in verse 31, Master, eat. He said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him, ought to eat. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. So now a work is in the future. He had come, had been sent, to finish a work. Well, we turn the page, and we find in John 17, that the hour has come. And we are allowed the priceless privilege of listening to our Saviour in converse with the Father that sent him. Once again, in this 17th chapter, he speaks about the finishing of the work. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. The hour is come. No holding back, no hastening. In another context, I was speaking in connection with the birth of Christ, and I said that we 
speak of his birth of December the 25th, but nobody knows the date. It's not in the scriptures. Nobody knows. But there is a time in the scripture when he was born, which is far more important than December the 25th. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. That was the time. Never mind about the, the month or the date of the day. So here, the hour is come. The hour to which all the Old Testament was pointing and from which all the rest of the New Testament will go back. Here we have the central word for finish. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Across the bottom of this chart, I will ask you later to rule a line and divide it into seven parts. And as far as my arithmetic goes, if I have seven parts, the line that represents number four will be right in the centre. And our Saviour came be at the time we call 4,000. It's now 6,000 since the beginning of Genesis. So right in the middle of time, so far as we are concerned, in that group of seven, we have Christ here. The hour is come. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And next verse, I come to thee. And yet, the cross was still waiting for him. But this one could say these words as you and I cannot say them. We remind ourselves, as many a slip twitch the cup of the lip, but not with the Son of God, not with the Son of God. He came to do the work, and nothing could turn him back. He set his face resolutely to go to Jerusalem where the time came, and there he died, the just for the unjust. So he says here, Father, I have finished the work. And then presently, in the uh, 19th chapter, and verse 28, John 19:28. after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Do notice this. Our Saviour, with the whole purpose of the ages, hinging upon his obedience, didn't say, oh, we can't bother about such trifles as the fact that somewhere in the Old Testament it says, I thirst. If anyone was meticulous with regard to the fulfilling of every jot and tittle of the word of God, it was the Son of God. And so knowing that it was written, I thirst, he said. Now there were set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon his and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. Well then we come to the book of the Revelation. And there we have the last book in the Bible which leads us on to the end of things. And we read there in chapter 20, 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. All these things we should have to look at in detail later. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. 
And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He that sat upon the throne is the one that hung upon the cross and said, It is finished. And now on the throne he says, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. Now that's the sequel to It is finished. It is done. Then he takes to himself his, his title, I am Alpha and Omega. And you know as well as I do that they are the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet, but whatever you do, don't tell your friends that Omega is the letter Z, will you? Uh, it ends up with a, a vowel. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And so we now reach the, the uh, third reference to the word finished. So we are looking at a Bible which tells you that God had a purpose right at the beginning in creation, and that purpose, vested in his own mighty power and wisdom, is going to reach its goal, whatever men do, whatever devils may do, whatever sin and death may do. But God is a moral ruler, as well as almighty, and so he put away sin, not by the sweep of his arm, but by the sacrifice of his son. And then, that son is going to ultimately take this this universe, or this kingdom, and present it to the Father. So the last words, I'm going to mention today are these. That at the first end and the last end of this sheet of paper I've put a capital B on the left hand side and a capital E on the other side. And you will guess immediately that one means the beginning and the other means the end. Now Genesis 1 verse 1 I will not turn to is the beginning. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But let's get the end so that we've now covered in these great strides, what we shall have to deal with more in detail. 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter of the epistles. 1 Corinthians 15, which introduces Adam and speaks of Christ as the second man and the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then cometh the end. Now go right down to the bottom of verse 28. Then cometh the end that God may be all in all. That's the end that's in view. Not the end of all things, but the goal of all things, that God should be all in all. And there are steps that lead to it. And here they are. Then cometh the end, and the words when, coming four times over, are the steps. Then cometh the end, when he should have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. That's one thing. When he should have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and his last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And now we come to it, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that the goal of the ages may at last be reached, that God may be all 
in all. Well, I'm sorry we can't go further. Our time is exceedingly limited, and we are dealing with eternal issues in these brief passing minutes. But I believe that if you will give me the opportunity, week by week for a period, to fill in this chart, as it were, of the finished work of Christ from beginning to end, you will have a conception of the person of Christ and his work, and the place that God may have given you in this, which will transcend any amount of him singing and teaching that you may have sometimes been satisfied with. May the Lord bless not only the few who are sitting listening here, but the wider congregation to whom we send our greetings before we bring this meeting to a close.